Praise the Lord. Well, God bless all of you and happy Valentine's Day to you. And uh, I'm doing a special message today on marriage revival, marriage revival. And I need to do a little housekeeping here. Going up to there. How's that? A little on a message on marriage revival and trust that it'll be a blessing in your heart. Uh, whenever I walk through the mall with my wife, I hold her hand. If I don't hold her hand, she escapes and goes shopping. <laughs> We got some, uh, some great jokes to put up on the video screen. If we can put those up. Let's see. The first one is, behind every angry woman stands a man who has absolutely no idea what he did wrong. <laughs> Arguing with a woman is like reading the software license agreement. In the end, you have to ignore everything and click, I agree. <laughs> Never make a woman mad. They can remember stuff that hasn't even happened yet. A wise man once said nothing. <laughs> if a woman says, first of all, during an argument, run away because she has prepared research data charts and will destroy you. <laughs> Been there, done that, then. Been there several more times because apparently I never learn. <laughs> anyway, aren't those great? All right, praise the Lord. Well, let's look at uh, Ezekiel 47, verses 1 to 12. And it's kind of an interesting passage of Scripture. It has absolutely nothing to do on marriage. But the Lord put in my heart a couple weeks ago to on Valentine's Day, because it doesn't always fall on a Sunday, but on Valentine's Day, uh, this the Sunday that I would do a message on marriage revival. And the Lord spoke to my heart a couple weeks ago, Ezekiel 47 verses 1 to 12, to do my marriage message out of that passage of scripture. And it's a passage of scripture where the river of God is flowing from, from the temple on down eastward into the valley, down to the Dead Sea. And so I'm going to read verses 1 to 12, and then we're going to minister on Mary's out of this very unique passage of scripture. Then he brought me back to the door of the temple, and there was water flowing from underneath the threshold of the temple toward the east. For the front of the temple faced east. The water was flowing from under the right side of the temple, south of the altar. He brought me out by the way of the north gate and led me around on the outside to the outer gateway that faces east. And there was water running out of the right side. And when the man went out to the east with the line in his hand, he measured 1,000 cubits. He brought me through the water. The water came up to my ankles. Again, he measured 1,000 and brought me through the waters. The waters came up to my knees. Again, he measured 1,000 and brought me through. The water came up to my waist. Again, he measured 1,000. and It was a river that I could not cross, for the water was too deep. Water in which one must swim, a river that cannot be crossed. He said to me, Son of man, have you seen this? And he brought me and returned me to the bank of the river. When I returned there along the bank of the river, there were very many trees on one side and on the other. He said to me, The water flows toward the eastern region, goes down into the valley, and enters the sea. When it reaches the sea, its waters are healed. The sea there is the Dead Sea, not the Mediterranean Sea, but the Dead Sea. And it shall be that every living thing that moves wherever the river will go will live. There will be a very great multitude of fish because these waters go there for there will be healed for they will be healed and everything will live wherever the river goes. It shall be that fishermen will stand by Ephraim and Gedi to en Eglam. They will be there will be places for spreading their nets. 
Their fish will be of the same kinds of the fish of the great sea, that's the Mediterranean Sea, exceedingly many. So the Dead Sea during the millennial reign of Christ, I believe that's what this is referring to, is going to come to life and have the same kind of fish in it that you find in salt water or the Mediterranean Sea. But its swamps and marshes will not be healed, they will be given over to salt. Verse 12, along the bank of the river on this side and that will grow all kinds of trees used for food. Their leaves will not wither, their fruit will not fail. They will bear fruit every month because their water flows from the sanctuary. Their fruit will be for food and their leaves for medicine or for healing. And may the Lord bless his word to our hearts here today. In this passage of scripture, I think that the water represents the Holy Spirit for us here today. I think when you first look at this passage of scripture to, uh, you know, rightly understand and interpret the scripture, I think this is a millennial reign promise, a time when Jesus is ruling and reigning on this earth for a thousand years. Miraculous things will take place of which a river will flow from Jerusalem on down into the Dead Sea and make it come alive. Uh, But I'm going to spiritualize this passage because those waters represent, I believe, the Holy Spirit. And we understand that wherever the Holy Spirit flows, he brings life, he brings healing, he brings the miraculous. So that's what I'm looking at it here today. In the book of Ecclesiastes, chapter 4, verse 11, it says, If two lie down together, they will keep warm. But how can one be warm alone? Personal revival can spread to your home. Two can lie down together and stay warm. It's very difficult to be solo and stay warm, according to Ecclesiastes chapter 4. But one of the benefits of marriage is this. If my wife loves the Lord and I love the Lord and we have a passionate relationship with Jesus Christ, we can encourage that in one another and stir that in one another. If a husband and wife keep the flame of first love for Jesus alive in their hearts, perhaps it will even spread to their family, to their children. I love that. And perhaps you have children today that need to be touched of God. One of the best things you can do as husband and wife is to love God with all your heart and love each other with all their heart. And with that passionate love, your children will see that. And perhaps God will open up their heart that they might be saved and have a passionate love for Jesus as well. I've mentioned this before. Vision is what you see with your eyes closed. You think vision is what you see with your eyes open, but imagine yourself praying and being in the presence of the Lord. Vision is what you see with your eyes closed. In other words, the Holy Spirit, he begins to paint a picture for you, an imagination before you uh, of a preferred future. Vision is what you see with your eyes closed. And I've been preaching on personal revival. And so what I, what I see with my eyes closed is I see personal revival coming into your heart and into my heart. I see with my eyes closed husbands and wives returning to their first love for the Lord and for each other. I see families loving God, loving each other, and loving the church. That's what I see with my eyes shut. Lord, I see that. Families loving God, loving one another, and loving the church. And I see Cornerstone filled with people who are so in love with Jesus that they love the house, love the word, and love the lost. As I get into this message, I want to start with prayer. I want to pray for marriage and family revival right now. If you're sitting next to your spouse, just grab their hand. If your children are right there with you, grab their hand. Let's pray for revival, first love, to come into the marriages and families, the cornerstone. Father, in Jesus' name, right now, we just pray 
And Lord, as a pastor, Lord, this is on my heart. Personal revival, it starts within us. And Lord, I pray for husbands and wives that they would love you and love each other with that first love, that passionate love, that preferring one another kind of love, the laying down of their life for each other kind of love, the surrendering love, that type of love, oh God. And Lord, I pray that that revival might start in the heart of every husband here today and minister to every wife here today. And Lord, as those two are rekindled with fresh fire and fresh love for you, that it will flow to their family, to their children, that the children might be touched with the love of God today, with fresh love, fresh fire, first love for Jesus. And all God's people said, amen. The Holy Spirit must revive your message. There is no revival without the Holy Spirit. And as I mentioned, the water here is the Holy Spirit. I'm going to represent it as such. And we know that the water of the Holy Spirit is supernatural and life-giving. It tells us in verse 8, when it reaches the sea, its waters are healed. The water flows towards the eastern region, goes down into the valley... I love that, how water flows to the valley. You can have low points and God's spirit can touch it. Enters the sea, the Dead Sea. When it reaches the sea, its waters are healed. Now, I've been to the Dead Sea. I've actually been in the Dead Sea. And trust me, it is so salty. There's nothing alive in that Dead Sea. But the best thing I can say about the Dead Sea experiences is you can float without any effort. Matter of fact, you have to try to sink in order to sink. And may I encourage you, don't get your head under the water. Because some of that water will get into those eyes and it will burn. It'll get into your lips and it'll just taste so salty. And so you have to work at sinking. And so it's kind of interesting. You go into waters that are over your head and you're just floating like nothing. It's just uh, just so. But another thing about the Dead Sea is uh, it's very muddy at the bottom. Like when you first get in, you just sink and sink. But if you take that mud and you smear it all over you, and then you go shower off, it's like you put on this beautiful oil all over your body. Happy Valentine's Day. Happy Valentine's Day. <laughs> Let me tell you this. If the Dead Sea can be brought to life, your marriage can be brought to life. You see that, the the water just flowed down into the valley, down into that Dead Sea, and it just brought life. And so I do believe this, that that no marriage is beyond the grace of God. And I've, I've had people come back at me because I am so convinced that marriages can be saved. And what brings glory to God the most is a reconciled marriage where they, 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 they return to each other, no matter what has happened in the past, that they can be fully restored and fully reconciled. And that rather than divorce, and I realize divorce can be an option at times, but rather than divorce, somehow the forgiveness of God, the grace of God reunites them to the glory of God. And I'm a believer in that. I'm a believer in that. What are the signs of a dying marriage? Your marriage becomes more of a business than a loving partnership. You know, you're just two people living in the same home, just doing life singularly. You fight frequently and with greater intensity. How about this one? You no longer fight because you are numb on the inside. Or you no longer prefer your spouse over your own self-interest. These are signs of a dying marriage. 
One final one, you entertain thoughts of divorce. Here's the truth for you. Even your marriage valleys can be touched by the Spirit. And every marriage has valleys in them. Low points, challenging times, difficult times, working through times. Right? And if you notice there in verse 8, the water flows toward the eastern region, goes down into the valley, and then enters the sea. And when it reaches the sea, its waters are healed. So I got some hope for you today. If you would say, man, my marriage, uh, you know, it's not dead, but we're going through a valley time right now. I just want to give you hope that that water can flow into your valley and uh, make it fruitful again. And if you feel like your marriage is dying or that your marriage is dead, I got hope for you today. There's power in the Holy Spirit, and that that Holy Spirit, if you allow it to flow into your marriage like that Dead Sea, it can bring it to life again. Water flows eastward, the scripture says in verse 1. Water flowing from under the threshold of the temple toward the east. Now, flowing signifies active present ministry. Active present ministry. It's not stagnant. It's not a pond. It's a river. It's a flowing river. And I want you to know that the Holy Spirit is on the move. It should be on the move. It should be flowing in your life. It shouldn't become stagnant. That's the issue with the Dead Sea, right? Water flows in and nothing flows out. It just becomes stagnant. It's the lowest point on our earth, below sea level. It just all flows right in there. And it's just dead. They actually say that the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah are underneath that Dead Sea. It's interesting, isn't it? But here we have the river flowing, and I believe in the movement of the Holy Spirit, the movement. Like this morning when we were worshiping the Lord, my wife did a great job wrapping it up, and the worship team did a great job as well. You know, I just sensed the presence of God uh, ministering to me. I sensed the presence of God falling upon us as we worshiped. I sensed the presence of God bubbling up and out through me as he just uh, encouraged me and stirred my heart. There's movement with the Holy Spirit. And every marriage needs the fresh move of God in their heart and in their life. And this, this, this river flows what direction? East. East. You know, our entrance basically faces east. And so that the altar of the millennial temple, out of that altar, it would flow east. And if you look at topographical map as it flows east, it then turns and goes down into the valley where the Dead Sea is or flowing southward. But it starts off flowing east. And I've said this before, east signifies a new day, a new beginning, and a new hope. Whenever God is involved in our lives, we can always believe in a better future. Something good can happen today. A new day, a fresh move, a new hope. This water, the Holy Spirit, always flows east. It's flowing, it's active, and God can come into your marriage and make it alive again. Truth. Your marriage will be as alive as your heart is alive to God. Your marriage will be as alive as your heart is alive to God. Let me tell you this. If your heart is alive unto God and your spouse's heart is alive unto God, you will not have a dead marriage. Because the Lord is, will be active and alive and working and ministering and leading you forward. And he'll be dealing with you and you'll be surrendering and dealing with this and dealing with that. It'll be fresh love and a fresh move of God. And that can't, you can't stop that from flowing into your relationship with your loved one who also is alive unto God.
That's the secret, you see, of a dead marriage or a dying marriage or a valley marriage is the opening of your heart, the both of you, to the movement, the flowing of the Holy Spirit, making you alive unto God so you are now dealing with things, surrendering things, worshiping him, looking to him, inviting him in into every area of your life. As this water flows, it tells us in verse 3 that the water came up to the ankles. Now, ankles, obviously, are down there by your feet. They represent, obviously, your walk with God. And your daily life at home must honor God and must have integrity. And your home life, I'm sure, does not look like a church service all the time. We understand that. There's challenges at home, and that's where the rubber meets the road. And when you come to church, you put on your best clothes and uh, the smile on your face, and you're here to worship God and pray, and uh, very spiritual here at church. And then you go home, and uh, you realize that sometimes your home does not look like the way things are at church, and that's okay. That's reality. But I also know this. You need to walk with God, not just here, but over there, at home, right where you're at. Listen, if it doesn't work at home, then it's not real. That's the first place. I realize it can work here, and it could be a facade. But if it's not working at home, it's not real. Because that's where relationships are the most meaningful, and that's where your love is the most challenged, is at home. And if your love for God can work at home, then it can work anywhere. Somebody say amen to that. Waters to the ankles. Ankles represent your walk with God. And ankles, you know, what, what do people like to do when they're in ankle deep water? They love to play in the water, right? And I think that marriage needs to be playful. It needs to be fun. And there are three types of fun in marriage. Side to side, face to face, and belly button to belly button. What do I mean by that? Three types of fun. Well, the first is side to side. You know, side to you and your wife are just side to side. When my wife and I go running, and we did go running on, uh, on Friday, and it was brutal to be out there in that cold. And, uh, but we did it. We did it. Well, we run side to side. It's great. Men love to have fun with their spouse. Men love a recreational companion. I'll give you some some insight, women, into the heart of men. We're not very deep, but uh, we do have certain thoughts, all right? <laughs> Did you know that men are more likely to talk when they are doing something fun with you and right after doing something fun with you? That's when men like to talk. Side to side. Let me ask you this. Do you have fun together? It tells us in Ecclesiastes 9 verse 9, live happily with the woman you love. You need to be able to have fun together, right? Side to side. The second type of fun is face to face, right? And what do I mean by that? That's talking with each other. Women desire communication to feel close to their husband. A man feels close to the wife when she is having fun with him. But women feel close to the man when the man talks to her. Did you know, women, I'll give you more insight into the shallow heart of a man. <laughs> Did you know that sex leads to more, more communication for the man? And communication leads to more sex for the woman. We're just so wired opposite, aren't we? I mean, 
for the woman to open up her heart to you, you have to talk with her. And for a man to open up his heart to you, you have to have sex with him. Women, remember when I said this? Did you know that men are more likely to talk when they're doing something fun? And right after doing something fun with you. You might be saying, I can't talk right now, but give me a couple more minutes and I'm going to be talking a lot. All right. (laughs) Song of Solomon, chapter 2, verse 14, the love book says this. Let me see your face and let me hear your voice. Having fun together, side to side, face to face. And the third way, we're going to talk a little bit more about this uh, to come, but belly button to belly button. That's sexual intimacy. This is the woman in Song chapter 4, verse 16, the Song of Solomon. She says to the man, she says, Let my beloved come into his garden and eat its pleasant fruits. Sexual intimacy. Let my beloved come into his garden and eat its pleasant fruits. Do you have fun together? You know, that river flows, and it flows down into that Dead Sea, and it it can make things come to life, but it starts out in ankle-deep water. And you know it's a supernatural river because the longer it goes, the deeper it gets. It should be just the opposite, right? But it's, it's a God thing. Truth. Did you know men are more likely to call their wife best friend than the wife to men? Men want their wife to be their friend, not their mother. So it flows eastward into the valley, into the Dead Sea, starts out in ankle-deep water, your daily walk with God, living for God at home, having fun with each other, side to side, face to face, belly button to belly button. But then we find that the water goes to the knees. And of course, when I think about knees, it says that in verse 4, when I think about knees, I, I think about prayer. And how your relationship with God always leads to prayer. And how you need to be able to seek the Lord together, right? I, I saw this as I was studying out this message. Couples that pray together have a divorce rate of 1 in 10,000. Couples that pray together have a divorce rate of 1 in 10,000. So that water needs to flow to the knees. In other words, couples need to learn how to seek God together. How to serve the Lord together, how to have a relationship with God together. You know, it's not that you love the Lord and your spouse loves the Lord, but that you love the Lord together. And how do you do this? Well, pray together. My wife and I, we do not have altar time where it's a set time where we sit and pray. And I know that couples that do that, and I think that's wonderful. But our, our prayer time is more natural and spontaneous. It's easy. We pray, obviously, over our meals every day. We pray together as I leave to go to work every day. If we're out running, we're praying. All right, Rhonda, say a good prayer, and she'll pray, then I'll pray. If we're in the car, say a good prayer, she'll pray. and It's just just a, a natural thing. We just pray together. Also, read the word together. Now, my wife, she likes to read the word on her own. I like to read the word on her own. But then we come together and we talk about what God is speaking to us out of the word. It's great fellowship. Great fellowship. Worship together. I love worshiping with my wife at church. 
right up here, side to side, and I sense the presence of the Lord, and I know she's sensing the presence of the Lord. A lot of times I'll just glance over at her, and I'll see her eyes shut and her hands lifted up, and I can tell she's just loving Jesus, and, and I'm loving Jesus, and, and she's experiencing the presence of the Lord, and I'm experiencing the presence of the Lord, and we're loving God together. I tell you what, that's just wonderful. We're in it together. How do you seek God together with your waters to the knees? How? By praying together, reading the word together, worshiping together. Do life with God together. You know, my wife had God speak to her when she's a teenage girl before she ever met me. And it was, she heard this voice talking in her ear as a, it was at a Sunday night worship service. She's 16 years of age. And, and the Holy Spirit spoke to her and says, you will marry a man of God and together you will work for the Lord. And that's kind of been what we've done. Together, we have worked for the Lord. And uh, so uh, uh, my son and, and Jen, they, they shared a couple Wednesdays ago about marriage revival on Wednesday night. And they talked about having a vision statement. And so I'm thinking about a vision statement for my wife and I. We've been married all these years, 42 years. Did I get that right? 42 years, praise the Lord. And... Um, I said, how about this? Because at our age, how about if we just alter what God spoke to you and put it this way. Together, we will finish our race with joy. My wife says, I like that. I like that. Why is it? I like together. We're doing life together. We're serving God together. We're trying to finish his plan and purpose for our life together. Together, we will finish our race. What is our race? It's the plan and purpose of God for our life. With joy. With joy. That means, man, if you have joy, that means you're believing God. You're hope filled. Everything is well. Right? The joy of the Lord is your strength. It's a healthy human emotion. Together, we will finish our race with joy. Well, that's what we're going to try to do. With the help of God, by the grace of God. Doing life together. You know, my wife and I, we like to have fun together. Water to our ankles. Water to our knees. The next one is water to our waist. Verse 4 talks about that. And of course, I mentioned this, belly button to belly button. This is sexual intimacy. I'll tell you, I'll put it this way. A crisis to a wife is when there is sudden silence. A crisis to the husband is when there is sudden lack of sex. And in the Song of Solomon, this is the woman talking to the man. She says this, Come, my beloved, let us go forth to the field. Let us lodge in the villages. Let us get up early to the vineyards. Let us see if the vine is budded, whether the grape blossoms are open and the pomegranates are in bloom. There I will give you my love. There I will give you my love. If I would say the difference between femininity and masculinity, how would I describe the difference there? I would say this. Uh, the femininity is the woman warmly welcomes the man, and masculinity is the man strongly enters or moves forward. And here she says in the Song of Solomon, there I will give you my love. The idea of just warmly welcoming, warmly welcoming. That's, that, that's very feminine, right? And, and the man, he he's always goes forth, and he goes forth in strength, and uh, he enters into that workforce, and that would be masculinity, and that describes really sexual intimacy if you think about it. Belly button to belly button. Let me give you a truth. 
You are the only legitimate way for your spouse to find sexual fulfillment. Let me say that again. You are the only legitimate way for your spouse to find sexual fulfillment. And so certainly make yourself available in this area. So we have water to the waist, water to the knees, water to the ankles, water flowing into a valley, water flowing into a dead sea, bringing life. That water is the Holy Spirit. Then we find in verse 5 that the water was too deep, water in which one must swim. Marriage revival. When the water is over your head, what do I mean by that? When husband and wife are all in for Jesus, and when husband and wife are all in to one another, for each other. I tell you what, that's waters to swim in. That's deep, deep waters. That's not just shallow waters, but that's waters that's in over your head. And listen, if it's over your head, it really doesn't matter how deep it is at that point, right? Just enjoy. And so one of the greatest things you can do is jump in the deep end. Surrender. Give up. Jump in. Be all in for God, right? Be all in to your marriage. Let there be no compromise, no holding back, no reservations, no turning back. You are all in. I tell you what, if you can have a marriage like that, there will be marriage revival. Here's the truth. There must be a total commitment to the two most important relationships in your life, and that is God and spouse. God is your one, and your spouse is your two. God is your one, and your spouse is your two. If you're always trying to find that person to be your one, you're missing it. You'll never find that one person that's going to change your life or be that soulmate. Your one is God, and your spouse is two. So instead of trying to find that one that's going to Just be everything for you. I'm speaking to the singles right now. Just be everything for you. Don't try to find your one in a person. Find your one in the one, God himself. And when he is number one, then God can bring you a number two. And that is your spouse. Somebody say amen to that. So who's your one? God. Who's your two? Your spouse. Water over the head. The water was too deep, water in which one must swim. There must be a total commitment to the two most important relationships in your life, God and spouse. Let me tell you, children are temporary. They're going to grow up, and they're going to move out, and they're going to have their own household. They'll always be your children. But listen, you have an intimate, personal, eternal relationship with Jesus Christ. And you have an intimate, personal, until death do you part relationship with your spouse. And you have a personal, long-term relationship, but they're going to move out of your home relationship with your children. And with your grandchildren, just enjoy them. No responsibility. (laughs) Let me close with a warning. Talking about water over the head, water to the, to the, to the belly, Water to the knees, water to your ankles. There's a warning here in verse 11. But its swamps and marshes will not be healed. They will be given over to salt. Swamps and marshes will not be healed. Every place the water flows, it brings life. 
But the swamps and marshes are not healed. They just stay salty, stay dead as it were. Every place the water flows, there's life, there's healing. So this is a warning that there, there, there can be dead places in your life. Swamps and marshes in your personal life. Places that you have not welcomed the Holy Spirit in. Once again, waters that need to be over your head where you're swimming in it. And I tell you what, you're all wet, right? It has touched every single area of your life. But there's a warning. That's why I said, listen, the secret to our revival of marriage is to jump in. No reservations, no reserves. I'm all in for Jesus. But those areas that you say, no, you're not welcome here. I got to protect this area. No, I don't want to get all wet, you know. Like, like, a, like when a woman goes to the beach and she just did her hair and she'll get in, but she won't get her hair wet. So what do you do if you're me? You put them under the water. Let's get it over with now. Just put them. <laughs> or the water is cold and they don't want to go in. What do you do if you're me? You throw them in the water. I do that too, don't I? Yep, I do. Just get all in. Let's just get it over with. Get all in. Get all wet. Don't try to save anything. We're all in. That's when it's the best, right? So it is in your marriage so it is in relation with the Lord when you're just all in, all in. Well, I tell you what, I just hate those times when I feel like, you know, I got this area and I just need to get it right with God. Or I just need the Lord to heal that area. Oh, Holy Spirit, come into that area. I love it when I feel like I'm, I'm, I'm whole or complete. You know, integrity is being whole or complete, right? You know, just all one. There's no division there at all when you have integrity like integer just this whole number so it is in relation with the lord so it is in relation with your spouse just to be all in and there's no no division no there's no fraction there at all if you do not open your heart to the holy spirit your marriage will remain diseased Is there a part of your marriage that you would say is a swamp? Man, we just love the Lord, but our finances are horrible. All we ever do is fight. Well, it seems to me it needs to be brought under the lordship of Christ. And we, we, have, we have a great sex life, but our communication is just awful. You know, I love, I love my husband, but... Man, I got, there's things that he has done that I've never been able to forgive him. Maybe there's bitterness. Man, I wish that he or she would come to church as often as I do. And so there's a lack of spiritual commitment, intimacy, being all in. Just welcome the Holy Spirit, right? Just welcome the Holy Spirit. Women are multipliers. Well, multipliers. If you give them a house, they will make it a home. If you give them groceries, they'll make a meal. If you give them love, they'll make a baby. If you give them a hard time, they will multiply. They say that nature abhors a vacuum, an empty place. 
something's going to fill it. Things just can't stay empty. Something fills it. You know, sometimes that happens. We get these vacuums and uh, rather than the Lord filling it, something else fills it. Well, what's filling it? Well, you know, my work is filling it. Or, or my children is filling up that place. Or what, whatever. You understand what I'm saying? Let God fill you. Let God fill your whole marriage. Is there an empty place in your marriage? Let's invite the Holy Spirit in. You know, in the inviting him in, there, there's the idea of, you know, I'm, I'm surrendered. I'm surrendering this place. Lord, come on in, but I'm still Lord. Well, you know, that, that's, that's not really inviting him in. You know, he, he is Jesus Christ, the Lord. That's his, that's his name and his title. Jesus Christ, the Lord. And so you just can't invite Jesus without inviting the Lord. Because he's one and the same. If my wife invites me into her life and wants to marry me, I'm, I'm coming in and she gets all of me. She can't say, well, you know, I want to marry you, but uh, these parts of you, I'm not marrying those parts. So when you come home, you just leave them at work. You know, I'm just going to take part of you. No, this is all me. This is all me. And I'm not sure that's a great analogy, but because uh, there's faults with me that she might not want, but there's no fault with Jesus. There's no faults with Jesus. So you invite him in. And uh, so inviting him in and welcoming his spirit, the spirit of Christ into your life, that it comes with it, the surrender, his lordship. He's in control. I will not sit on any throne of any part of my life I step off that throne. Jesus is Lord. May it be in every single area. Now, I realize it's tough to scrub clean every single area in this life because of the deceitfulness of the heart and the presence of sin. I understand that. But with everything that I know, Lord, come into my heart. Come into my heart. Can you pray that prayer? Come into my heart, Lord Jesus. Come into my marriage, Lord Jesus. Let everything be touched. I want to be the man of God after your heart. I want to be a handmaiden of the Lord, full of grace. Hmm. Is there empty places in your marriage, vacuums? The water will flow to those places. Open up the door. Let him in. Let him in. Hallelujah. Those of you that are married, please stand to your feet. I want to pray with you right now. Revival in marriage. I know we have great marriages, good marriages, okay marriages, struggling marriages, Marriages that are in crisis, I know that. But he can flow to the valley, he can flow to the Dead Sea, he can bring life. Hallelujah. Father, in Jesus' name, Lord, I just pray for every marriage represented here this morning. I pray for revival in marriages right now in Jesus' name. Lord, I pray that marriages might get better than what they are right now. 
Lord, even the great marriages, Lord, I pray that they take another step forward. The good marriages, two steps forward. The okay marriages, three steps forward. The crisis marriages, five steps forward. The dead marriages, Holy Spirit flow and bring supernatural life. Life to those dead marriages. In your name I pray. Amen and amen. Let's all stand to our feet. Just want to give an opportunity for somebody here today, if you're not a Christian, to give your heart to Jesus, all right? So I'm going to make an appeal to you to give your heart to Jesus today. You need the Lord to flow into your heart, and you need to be saved. Amen? All right, bow your heads. Father, in Jesus' name, I pray that you send your spirit and go after them right now, that they might be saved. With every head bowed, if you're here today and say, Pastor Tim, I need to give my heart to Jesus. I need to be saved. Just raise your hand, and I will pray with you. Raise your hand high so I can see it, and I will pray with you.